Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Level up, human. The comedy science podcast. Souping up the Homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how we can make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, our audience here at the Science Museum Lits, and the natural world to work out what the next stage in our human evolution should be. I'm your host Simon Watt, and today I am joined by three carbon-based life forms. Pitching ideas for the next stage of human evolution, we have on my far right, it's Paul Duncan McGarity. Now it says here, Paul, that you are a comedian and archaeologist. Archaeologist. Archaeologist, is that right? <laughs> yes, I am a comedian and archaeologist. Archaeologist. That's, you basically must think that Tony Robinson is God. <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> There's going to be an archaeology off one of these days. If yeah. it's anything like a rap battle. Yeah, Phil Harding's stuff. better. He's the archaeologist who tells people what's going on rather than the man who just points and goes, ooh. <laughs> It's controversial. Very aggressive quite early on, isn't it? Yeah. I've come to win. <laughs> if, if he's ever round and you're there with a trial, we'll know who did it. Uh, also, my right immediately here, we have Dr. Julia Shaw. She's a senior lecturer and associate professor in research in the Department of Law and Social Sciences at London South Bank University. Uh, you're interested in the intersection of crime and memory. And you've got a book out, so go and plug it. Tell us why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm a scientist who focuses on memory, and I tell the police how to do interrogations better. Um, so my book, called The Memory Illusion, Uh, remembering, forgetting, and the science of false memory talks about how we can remember things that never happened. Mm. So how you can think that you have childhood memories of things that your parents tell you are impossible, for example. Uh, or in my science, the kind of stuff that I implant is that I convince people they committed crimes that never actually happened. Um, so, use this to yeah. implant like really good book reviews. Well, <laughs> I'm certainly going to try. <laughs> See how it goes. I love this idea. So you're going to be able to add all sorts of really cool stuff in terms of our memories and things. Uh, Paul, you're going to be able to tell us perhaps what we can learn from the past to move that forward. And deciding which of the pitches we're going to take forward, representing humanity, we have on my left our judge, Ellie Taylor. Ellie, uh, what kind of things are you hoping to hear tonight? Um, really cool stuff. 
Uh, I don't want to blind you with science, guys. GCSE, A star double. Uh, uh, but I've never, honestly, I've never felt so powerful in my life. Walking around the science museum with a lanyard. Oh my god. People think I know what I'm talking about. No, I've got nothing. Absolutely nothing. They're quite dangerous. I did a gig a bit like this at London Zoo recently, and they've got an enclosure of lots of goats and things. And um, that's... I don't know why you're laughing at that. <laughs> that's just factual. But whenever a goat tries to eat your lanyard, it's the same as strangling you. That's the <laughs> So, OK, you've got This Is Our Wonderful Panel, but not only do we have them, we've got the incredible audience here at the Science Museum. Please give them a warm welcome. OK, before we delve into the realms of perhaps the future, let's have a look at what's happening now. Each of our panel have brought along some news stories. Why don't we start with you, Paul? What things have caught your eye? Well, archaeologically speaking, they've uh, discovered the oldest functional prosthetic, which is quite nice. Basically, it was, uh, they found the skeleton of an adult male between about the ages of 35 and 50 in uh, Austria, in Hemmerberg. It was with about 20 other, uh, 29 other skeletons, and the bottom kind of four inches of one of his legs was missing and had been replaced by a little wooden peg that seemed to have been held on by leather. And the really interesting thing about it is the archaeologists tried to work out why the foot had been removed. And there's basically three reasons why you'd remove a foot. Uh, Medical, you know, a surgery. Uh, Mutilation as a punishment. Or a violent or accidental reason. Uh, The wound was above the joint, so this suggested that it probably wasn't a medical reason. um, Because it's a really awkward place to remove a foot halfway up the leg. Um, just not nice for anyone involved, really. Uh, a lot of screaming and such. There probably th- wasn't a mutilation because he was buried n- close to a church with grave goods. And you'd mutilate someone who was like a criminal and you'd throw them out of society. So he's probably not going to be allowed in that close and have such a high status burial. So then it comes down to uh, probably a violent death. And osteologists who looked at the whole skeleton realised that he was quite used to riding on horses. So they basically come down to the suggestion this guy was a cavalryman who, a soldier, has hit the one thing that he can hit, which is the side of his leg, removed the foot, and this fella's survived the battle at least a year from the amount of uh, bone growth, and then gone, I'm going to carry on with my life, and stuck a bit of chair leg to the bottom of his leg, <laughs> and just carried on about his day. I wish it had a caster with it, actually. <laughs> That'd be quite incredible. So that's, that's really cool. Prosthetics have been going on this long. Or, unless he was actually just really into pirate cosplay... <laughs> but he's not committing to the whole leg. No. <laughs> Take the foot. His it's just for weekends. parrot would be in another pit, like a movie. <laughs> he's got a budgie yeah. and just the foot missing. That's a whole new meaning to grave goods that would bring cosplay into it. Well, that's cool, man. Um, right, okay, Julia, what's, what have you seen? Can you imagine how disappointed a grave robber would be? Oh, I got a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been this guy's foot. Anyways. Uh, maybe wood was very impressive. Maybe. That time. Wood mm. is always very impressive, Simon. Are we working on <laughs> That deserved more. You were all far too intelligent, guys. That was a penis joke within the first five minutes. Get on board. Oh, I thought there you were a fan of dendrochronology. Julia, yeah. <laughs> what have you brought with you? Uh, also prosthetic, actually, but uh, not out of the past, more into the future. Uh, memory. Uh, I like memory, obviously, so I'm more fascinated about the science fiction aspects of memory and where we might take it. Um, and there's a study that recently came out that talked about potentially having a hippocampal prosthetic. 
So it's uh, making the part of the brain that's responsible for forming memories, or one of the parts of the brain responsible for forming memories, is called the hippocampus. Um, and essentially, scientists are suggesting that in rats, they've done proof of concept in rats, that you can actually implant a new piece of the brain that replaces, uh, for example, broken, dementia-riddled brains uh, and makes you able to form or recall memories that you otherwise wouldn't be able to form or recall. So absolutely fascinating stuff where obviously the ethics of that go into crazy corners as well because replacing broken brains is one thing, but how many of us would want that just in general, just have a better brain, have better memory? Yeah. That's Hands like in, in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, isn't it? The film, Jim Carrey gets to wipe his memory. Would you be able to do that? You'd be able to wipe memories if you wanted to. Well, you can already do that. Um, so that's, that's not science fiction, that's science fact. Well, tell us more, what's the deletion? How does this work? <laughs> what's the deletion? How does There's it work? More, I want to remove more people than Jim Carrey. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually what I do in my, in my studies. So I convince people of alternate realities, if you will. Um, they don't you know what's a happening. Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see the cat at home, of course. <laughs> so what, just you thought of the power of suggestion, you can tell, make people think they haven't done something. Or yeah, just, just by using social psychology and, and asking people nicely to imagine things happening and to consider things happening, uh, you can get them to, well, have, to, to form complex memories that they, that they can recall. I hate to put it like this, but do me, do me, give me a memory. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work if the person knows it's happening. So part of the idea is I, I do abuse my trust in that sense. Yeah, how do you um, get volunteers for that? You get volunteers for a memory study, and then you, they just don't know it's a false memory. And now they think they've killed a man. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, not killed, but assaulted. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my God, seriously. With police contact. Yeah. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> for science, people, for oh science. Well, it's recorded now, so it's not just no memories. Uh, we have evidence. What about you, Ellie? Uh, what, what news stories caught your eye? I read the one this week about uh, scientists have been uh, mucking around with bacteria, as they like to do, uh, and they put some, they implanted some different bacteria into some mice, and um, it improved their cognitive abilities just by changing the bacteria inside. Apparently in a human's body, you have two kilos of bacteria, mm. which is a lot. Um, yeah, so what, what, does this mean that you could actually, because until this point, I'd always assumed people buying probiotic logs were quite stupid, but you're saying yeah. it's making them smart. Basically, you have a yakult, and then you can immediately get an MVQ in tourism. That's what happens. That's, <laughs> that's the most effective advertising we've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you think about that, actually? Do you think, as, as a, a memory expert, do you think it's possible that our food can affect our memory? Oh, definitely. I mean, even just in terms of energy levels. There's, there's this really interesting thing called state-dependent memory. Yeah. That, in general, whatever... So let's say you, you generally drink coffee before studying, and then you want to take an exam. You should definitely drink coffee before taking your exam as well, because your memory generally um, works better or at remembering the same kinds of things that it learned in a similar state. So if you're learning things when you're caffeinated, you're going to be better at recalling those same things when you're again caffeinated or anxious or fearful or whatever your original state was. Am I right in thinking that's one of the reasons why when you cross a boundary, we all now say, what did we come in here for? Because when you're in a different state... Yeah, for example, so rooms can matter as well. Um, is, yeah. is this why I'm better at pool when I'm drunk? <laughs> yes. Because I've only ever played it drunk. Because <laughs> you've learned how to play pool drunk, probably. Brilliant. I'm going to smash some people now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, well, that's the kind of stuff which is going down, but we're going to take this into the future. On my right, we have our two guests who are going to pitch things to Ellie, try and see what we can impress them with. So, actually, why don't we start with you, Paul? 
What do you think mankind needs? How are you going to improve the next human? Well, um, basically, human evolution has been technological for uh, thousands and thousands of years. The last time we tried to evolve uh, sort of biologically, you ended up with the massive-jawed um, Australopithecus robustus, and he looked stupid. Uh, <laughs> and also, he looked really stupid because he became extinct because the environment changed. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, dweeb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so basically, I think human evolution, we, we, we've got, we're a species that changes the environment rather than changing ourselves to suit the environment. Um, so the best thing for human evolution is to have a, a situation where our technology takes a leap forward. Um, so basically, what I think is, for humanity to uh, evolve, we need more wars. Controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Because wars are a, t a period where, uh, first of all, it focuses researchers' minds. Because if you, if you don't try hard, you lose. Um, you, you die. Yeah, you die re real hard. And then, um, uh, but also, like, the government of various con uh, countries starts putting money into research. Um, and you start to get a lot more resources of things. So I've got a few examples of... Uh, you know, some technologies that came out of war. For example, stainless steel comes from World War I. It was invented because someone was trying to find a better metal to make gun barrels out of. And now... You don't want a stained gun barrel. No, you don't want to... No. It's the British Army. You kill someone with something that's got a shine on it. <laughs> it's for generations. No, but subsequently, stainless steel not only was used in gun bar uh, barrels, but it was used in medical uh, implements and in aeronautic parts. Uh, World War II, everyone needed a German in the space race or you weren't getting off the planet, basically. And that all came from the V2 rocket. And even now, we've got the global war against terror. We won't know what technologies are coming out of that, but we're starting to see some uh, medical advances that are coming from that sort of thing. So I love this. This means that you're actually suggesting war, what is it good for her? Technological innovation. Yeah. <laughs> Social, political change, economic, uh, you know, it's, it's really great war. Uh, I, I'm going to agree with you, says the <laughs> psychologist who plans all memories. We've been talking uh, a couple of times about yeah. prosthetics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, there have been, this is from a, a MedCom fact sheet, there have been 250 service members who have actually been returned to active duty after having prosthetics attached to them, and 50 of them have been redeployed in battle zones Whoa. to the point we've reached where it's like, oh, it's Robocop. <laughs> it's, Ellie, we, come on, tell us, is this, is this a good idea? Would this make the shortlist? I mean, I don't think... I, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the reasons! The reasons are good, but then is it worth... Is You know, oh, we get new metal. Oh, hundreds of thousands of people have well, died. Well, secondary point, we're overpopulated. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not taking that. I mean, just hit that too hard. Cause that's, cause, no, because it's one of those constant arguments you'll always hear. It's propaganda and nonsense, because cause we can't feed everybody... We can feed everybody now, and yeah. we're not. Mm. So the problem is always distribution. It's never... Like, because whenever people say there's too many people, they always mean there's too many of those people. You know, it, it kind of worries me. Yeah. Can I you ask, you know, as a load of scientists, I always think, you know, people like, we've got to cure cancer. A load of scientists? Is that our in a, in a, Yeah, I don't know what you're collecting. Oh, careful. A geek. A geek, okay, a load of geeks. Um, you know when everyone's like, we've got to cure cancer, let's, let's beat cancer? Obviously, everyone says, yeah, of course. But aren't there just going to be loads of people around and... We just some of them are going to need to be killed to make room for everyone else. <laughs> if Tesla has their way, uh, we'll be colonizing Mars soon, so that'll generate some extra space. Yeah, I'm for constant expansion, personally. Yeah. I'm all, I think uh, 
I like humans. Some of my best friends are humans. So, so, <laughs> no, so hold on. So you're saying, first of all, you said you're against war, I'm and against now you're war. saying you want to kill off. No, I'm just saying. Cancer survivors, boo. No, because I'll <laughs> send them into battle. No, I just find it really interesting. I'm genuinely like, statistically, obviously, I don't want anyone to die from cancer, but if we cure cancer, um, I mean, sometimes, you know, Westfield is very busy as it is. <laughs> <laughs> then you need a war in Westfield. The <laughs> Battle of Gucci. It. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a Black Friday. It's yeah, that's, that's, we're just moving towards a point where we're naturally getting rid of shoppers that are too keen and don't know how the internet works. <laughs> can, can I ask it, actually? Because right, I'm going to have to pick your brains more on this, Ellie. So, look, if this... Because you're saying, but we can't have people dying for innovation, but we, have, we sort of accept a certain amount of risk, like the moon landings, like oh, nearly every bit of scientific progress has involved, ah, just you know, the odd wee bit of death, even yeah, but, not in war. But they would have been willing participants that put themselves through that. How many people would you kill for a iPad? For an iPad? Yeah, like what, because there's bound to be a, what about losing a limb or something? Like what kind of... Now we're getting mm. into the ethics of what's, what is a human life worth? What is, what, how much, what's the price on a, mm. on a body? Well, Guys, I suppose we are. This has yeah. got really deep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, one of the other things that's come out of the, the global war on terror, um, by accident, uh, they've got the first vaccine that's having any impact on HIV. It's only got a 31% efficacy, but um, they... Uh, they were trying to find a combined vaccine to just deal with everything in one shot for the soldiers. And now they've made a huge leap forward in HIV research. But even if we cure HIV and we cure cancer, people will still die from dementia. I mean, we, we haven't cured the basic brain diseases at this point that are killing us in, in old age. So it's, mm. we old haven't Old people in the army. <laughs> It'd be very, very slow. Is that yeah. what Dad's army has had yet to fill that again? As you send them on a mission. What are they coming here for? Uh, <laughs> I've never thought of Dad's army as propaganda until this point, actually, <laughs> but it's good to consider such a thing. So is, that's a no, then, is it? I don't think I can, I can say, yes, let's do more wars. Okay. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
No more war. Sorry, Paul. Sorry. It's all right. Julia, let's pick up the slack. What do you think, then? What's your pitch? I did not plan this, but uh, actually my innovation that I am proposing, uh, or that actually sort of exists already, but I am proposing for future human to use, uh, came out of war efforts. And this is why I was nodding and agreeing with you, saying <laughs> wars do some good things. Uh, they definitely do uh, make scientific innovation accelerate. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that came out of war efforts was sonar. And if we point sonar at the body, we get ultrasound. And if we point ultrasound at the brain, we get uh, sonogenetics. And sonogenetics is an absolutely revolutionary technology that uh, a paper came out in Nature, which is a really big science outlet, uh, last fall, so 2015 fall, the first time this was ever mentioned anywhere, saying, oh, we were able to manipulate brain cells with sound. Let that sink in. <laughs> sound. I mean, I'm technically manipulating your brain cells with my sound right now, but that's different. Um, and so they can actually control and change the physical structure of your brain um, by essentially making, so genetically modifying you first, uh, or in this case, worms, because we've only done this with worms. Um, but you genetically modify a worm, and then it's, certain cells respond to these ultrasound waves. Um, and it's, it's the most striking thing that I think is, is possible with regards to kind of being able to change memories and change the brain. And I think that future human should be born and then be genetically modified, little babies genetically modified, so that there some, certain parts of their brain cells respond to these ultrasound waves so that if you have, for example, traumatic experience, you can go back in there and edit it whenever you need to. So ready edit brains. So editable memories By because playing the with sound, with non-invasive technology. Could someone hack you? <laughs> yes and no is the answer. Let's concentrate on the yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the way that this works is you have to have someone actually pulling up a memory, presumably, in order to edit it. So every time you recall a memory, uh, it's actually called uh, retrieval-induced forgetting, and you actually make a memory pliable again in the brain. And every time you do that, you can change its physiological shape. And so what you need the person to do, though, first, before you can change its shape, is to get them to actively recall that memory. So if you stood near a cash machine when someone's trying to remember their PIN code... You could mess with it. Amazing. <laughs> uh, potentially. But then again, you also need to go in there and get them to actively try to think of something else or try to break it. So there is an active participation part, but I mean, you could force someone to actively participate. Can, don't I ask, because this is one of those things I've always wondered, because I, I, as a biologist, I kind of understand that thing about our brains having no read-only files, that everything is constantly being edited. Correct. But there's still some stuff that, um, that I feel fairly hardwired on. Like, uh, you feel is the, the yeah. key. No, but, but I mean, in <laughs> terms of, there seems to be some, what would be the word? Memories that you're really confident in? No, but they're not the kind of memories. They're the sort of uh, the other imprints that make me know that a chair is a chair. Oh, okay. Does that count as a memory, or is that something different? It's, or can it's, we edit those as well? It's a memory process. They're definitely memories. I mean, okay. uh, some might argue, some people, aka memory scientists, might argue that consciousness, everything is memory, because you have to be able to remember all the things in your environment. Mm. You need your thoughts are a collection of different pieces of memories, if you will. So we even um, find those generalizations, like where I can know that both a um, beautiful three-legged chair is a chair and a sofa is yeah, a chair. Categories. Yeah, categories. Okay. So okay. categories are still memories. They're still memories, although they are different from what are called autobiographical memories, which is what I'm be, I'd be more interested in with these issues around trauma and uh, 
and even wanting to maybe just make a better past. Mm -hmm. I want this to have happened. Change it. But then that becomes, then you start thinking, then people will start editing their past and then... But they do know. already. But then we don't need it. <laughs> a story, <laughs> a story gets better solved. every time you tell it. <laughs> but this way you can go in there and do it for the times that you can't edit it. Um, so again, things like trauma, things that are invasive, things so that are debilitating. Is this like post-traumatic stress yeah. disorder and stuff like that? Exactly. Oh, okay. So if that happens, which you can't predict happening, uh, you can rectify the situation later. Which right now we can't. I have to ask, well. Ellie, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about deleting? Because you've got a very concentrating <laughs> face on you. Well, I, was just, yeah, I was just going through thinking all the things that you would go. And, like, and then would it become like a financial thing? If you've got loads of money, you could get rid of all the horrible stuff. You could afford well, to... Which is ultrasound. Ultrasound's not expensive. Well, oh, so everyone would do it. Then everyone would just... You could have it at home. But then people wouldn't learn from their mistakes, maybe. <laughs> I've got a... So you... <laughs> can I just run... Um, so you go through a horrible thing. Yeah. Right? and you go through it like a, a horrific accident, and then you go in and you edit that memory, mm -hmm. and you take that memory of the accident and ah, change it. But, okay. And then everyone you meet goes, oh my God, how are you feeling? And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, so this is where it's also important, um, is that the way that this works presumably isn't, because the neurons and the, the basic structures of the, of the memory are probably still gonna be there, especially if it's a really complex situation or something that happened over an extended period of time. But what's uh, interesting is you can remove the emotional piece, and that's the piece that's debilitating. Oh. As you can get rid of the fear, you can get rid of the anger, you can get rid of the anxiety. So you still remember that this thing happened. So you have a really neutral memory of a crash. But you'd have a, a more neutral memory, yeah. So like Fast and the Furious films. <laughs> is this effectively, so the people who support Donald Trump say, is that what they're doing with every single thing he's ever said? <laughs> yeah, they're Editing removing it. the emotional part of it. They're removing the emotional, they're removing the logic. Removing, <laughs> he did that much earlier, believe me, crikey. <laughs> All right. This is redundant, who cares? Do you, is, is that going on the shortlist, or are we going to have to go entirely to our audience? No, here? I think that, I mean, that could be up there. Although it does worry me that I think if people just started editing all the bad things that happened in their life and their bad childhoods, then there would be no comedians left in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I also like the fact that, because this could well have happened, and we haven't noticed, I might well be Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> I might be, don't laugh. <laughs> Okay, well, audience, if you think you can do better, as we're here live at the Science Museum Lids in London, we've got some suggestions from our audience. Uh, is there a radio here? So can I check what you're saying here? You're saying we only use 10% of our brain, why don't we up the levels of it? 2%. <laughs> All right, Julia. <laughs> do you want to hit this up with some stats? So, um, I, got, I actually, I liked this question or comment partly because uh, I had this one a number of times. So Verdue, you're not alone, um, but I must tell you that uh, maybe not a great suggestion. Um, first of all, you use 100% of your brain, full stop. You're, you're, you're not just sitting there wasting 80% of your brain, or in your case, you suggested 98%. Maybe you are. <laughs> we before you go, but. she's going to edit your memory to take away the, the emotional connection with that. Get rid of that. She didn't, mean, she didn't mean it honestly, it's okay. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but the issue with our brain, so this is a really common misconception. And I think every psychologist ever and every neuroscientist ever, uh, this irks us because we go, we, your brain is so beautiful and amazing and magical. Uh, why don't you give it the credit it deserves? Um, it's, it's complex. You're only using a certain percentage at any one time. But that's a good thing. Because if you were to turn on every single neuron in your brain at once, it would make absolutely no sense and you'd definitely die. 
Um, and actually, if you even just have a little bit more activity than normal, you have things like seizures. So even a tiny bit of change in the amount of capacity of your brain that you're using at any one time um, has massive negative repercussions. So you want to be careful wishing for that one um, because it actually has detrimental uh, repercussions. There's no exact percentage, but again, you are actually using all of the cells in your brain in different ways um, because, again, consciousness is a network, memory is a network, your experience of life is a network, and so it, different parts are just active at different times. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ellie, the suggestion in that case was we use all our brains and, according to Julia, possibly die. <laughs> are Side you, effect. Are you pro-death? Bear in mind what you're on toward. Am I pro-death? Uh, just think about that one. Um, no, not really. Sorry, Radu. We're running low on time, so people, grab any other ideas? That, anyone that, from anybody in the room in particular that grabbed you? Well, I seem to be handed more of the unusual ones. <laughs> Are they in the room? People drew to me. Uh, yeah, Amy. More belly buttons. Was Specifically, that three more belly buttons. There was a limit. Uh, <laughs> You're white. What? I guess that would be good for the womb. Potentially, but that would be more the umbilical cords rather than the belly button. Yeah, so it's just someone who wants the in bits, like they're going to use them for dip or... <laughs> <laughs> Convenient snacking on the couch. Yeah, holding like a large piece of Lego. <laughs> I think if you had many of them, we could just view it in a positive way. It would just be like belly dimples. <laughs> yeah, you could chain them together. Crikey. <laughs> what do you think, Ellie? Um, probably... Not the best idea I've ever heard. <laughs> what have you, you got against belly buttons for a start? Nothing, but I think one is quite enough, thank you very much, I would say. Do oh. you want more? Do you feel lacking in the belly button department? Well, it depends what they're for. Like, I know there's, like, like, the belly button is a result of your umbilical cord being connected to you. It's a way of getting energy from your mum and into you. Yeah. And the alternatives in some species, so like one of my favourite types of shark, uh, they don't have placenta, but they do have, in, um, they do have live birth. And so what they do is the first shark that hatches out from one of their two wombs, because um, it's got two wombs, they eat all their brothers and sisters. So if it was a choice between having a belly button and a bit of cannibalism, yeah. I'd go for as many belly buttons. Um, why just in your belly as well? Why not just more buttons, actually? <laughs> if you could have them anywhere instead. Uh, I would have one on my cheek, like Cheryl Cole's dimple. Um. <laughs> Who thought Cheryl Cole would get into the, uh, a podcast at the Science Museum tonight? How do yeah. we know that that is a dimple and not just another belly button? <laughs> <laughs> that will be on the Daily Mail sidebar tomorrow. She's got, <laughs> if anybody sees a bit of blue fluff falling out of Cheryl Cole... Scientist says. <laughs> Scientist <laughs> there was a genuine paper. Cheryl Cole has lovely lady love. Wasn't there it was a genuine paper a long time ago, I remember, people trying to work out why was it always blue. I'm going to do a survey, actually, of the audience here. Um, by whooping, how much of your belly button fluff is blue? <laughs> okay, I like that there's one honest person at the back there. I think it's only mostly men, though. How, yeah, is yours? I mean, I only men. What colour is yours, then? I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it either. I don't get it. Where Proof it. it. No, don't no, I think it. it's just men. Whereas my partner always has. He always has it because it travels down the hair. Yeah. But I don't know if that's science or not. <laughs> <laughs> That is absolutely bad. It travels down the hair, Simon, you know. The lint of your I agree. I think the hair keeps it there. Yes. Yeah. So because girls don't have hairy bones. No. At least not... I, I don't. Shh. <laughs> I think we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've had some... Thank you, everybody, for your terrific suggestions. We're nearing the end 
Uh, oh, so actually, was that being rejected, first of all, Ellie? Yes, outright uh, rejected. Okay, so no doubt. Oh, so far, Julie, you're well in the lead here, because uh, um, our audience... Sorry, guys. Oh, but I have one from the audience. Oh, okay, go on then, go on. Uh, one final suggestion. Volume controls for children. <laughs> oh. <laughs> May I add a caveat to that point, and oh. no offence, and to Americans. <laughs> Just sometimes. Just... Really split the room. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have come. <laughs> you've been. You've been I, I am Canadian now. So oh, okay, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I it, guys. It's fine. Well, so actually, hold on. We we are muting a nation. Crikey. <laughs> um, Just a volume no, control. So you're okay for volume control on children? Yeah, I think that's a really good one. There, there was. I know there was some studies showing that uh, there was significant <laughs> increased deafness in parents because of screaming children. Because of course what you do to a screaming child, you pick it up and you stick it right next to your ears. So maybe we just need really long arms. <laughs> if you keep them away. Go, go gadget, child abuse. Okay, volume control on children, easy. Well, great suggestions audience, thank you for your help. We have got one final suggestion that we are taking from Mother Nature herself. I'm gonna show you a creature here. And what would you like to steal from this? Can you describe this to the people at home, Ellie? It is the six o'clock cicada. Uh, so it's like a cicada. And, <laughs> uh, and it has four legs and it has very long wings that are quite pretty, actually. The wings are quite pretty. I'd have a wing. So, guys, some full panel. What would you steal from this creature? <laughs> I mean, it's hanging on the wall. It's That's hanging fun, on the wall, right? I agree. It's sticky yeah. feet. If you can think about its name, though, it's called the six o'clock cicada because this guy. Uh, Usually the guys, I think the girls as well, but I think it's the males, um, lives in Borneo, and at six o'clock every single day, it starts singing. It has got incredible punctuality. I've heard these in the wild, and they were never more than three minutes out. Oh my I was Oh, I need this. So, um, yeah, actually, you'd have all been here in time for the podcast if we'd... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Uh, no. What do you reckon, Ellie? Incredible cicada timekeeping? That would be quite useful. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay, so a, a new improved body clock, perhaps body swatch, whatever. Yes, but you'd be that horrible party guest every time. He's only three minutes late. <laughs> Nobody else is here. No, well, first of all, I'm that horrible party guest, <laughs> which is why I always have a book. Um, <laughs> you just sit awkwardly in the corner. That's actually true, geez. <laughs> How sad. Okay then, Ellie, you've got a couple to choose from here. Now, bear in mind that we can only take one suggestion forward back to our boffins to try and incorporate into the humans. Mm. So, would you like to see some of Julia's uh, sonogenetics, editing our memories, by that means our others? Or would you like a volume control in children? Or would you like to have the timekeeping of an insect and maybe their social skills as well? Um, Cicada's out the window, not interested in him anymore. Um, so we've narrowed it down to the last two. Um, and due to quite a traumatic incident at my nephew's sixth birthday party, where there was just a lot of screaming children, um, arguably I could edit my memories, but screw it, why should it affect me? Let's mute the little beeps. <laughs> <laughs> Were you invited? Yes, of course I was. I was a, who gate crashes a six-year-old's party? <laughs> who shows up on time to a six-year-old's party? That's a very different question. Um, no, I just want him to be quiet. There was so much screaming. Um, I wanted to kill them all. <laughs> a <laughs> very a different solution. We should send them to war. There is our answer. Well, you're 
not dark enough, you lot. No, this is good. <laughs> Ladies and gents, you heard it first. That's going to be our suggestion. We'll take that back to our people. We'll take the suggestion and use them to upgrade us meat bags into wonderful corn bags. It's been lovely talking to you all. Before you go off, I'd love you to give a warm round of applause and thank you to our guests. We've had Dr. Julia Shaw, we've had Paul Duncan McGarrity and Ellie Taylor and the wonderful audience here at the Science Museum. I've been your host, Simon Watt, and it's been lovely talking with you. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.